Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And this is a weekly television show where we present the other side of polygamy, the side that has been hidden from the public ever since Joseph Smith took his first roll in the hay with his first plural wife, Fanny Alger and Emma caught them in the act as she peeked into the barn. And ever since that event, Mormon polygamy has been kept a mysterious and secretive practice, and we want to help expose it. And on June 13th, uh, last month, we broadcast an interview that we had with two ladies who had escaped from the Kingston polygamy group a few years ago. And the interview was over before we knew it. We didn't get through all of the questions. Only about half of them were covered. And so they graciously agreed to come back for a second interview so that we could get through all of the questions and hopefully we will tonight talking about their life growing up in the Kingston group and some of the practices you know it's very courageous of these women to talk about some of their experiences and don't forget that when any of us escape from a polygamy group it generally takes a lot of bravery to even talk about the things that we had been previously threatened to never talk about and so to get into another interesting, revealing, and heart-wrenching interview, let me introduce our special guests. First, I would like to introduce Nicole. She was born and raised in the Kingston group. She left the group despite all of their threats that she could never be happy outside the group, and she is now happy and happily married. Welcome again, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. And next, I would like to introduce Jessica. Uh, she tried to wait, run away from her polygamous home and family three times since the age of eight years old, and she finally made it out safe and permanently and was eventually legally adopted by a family outside of the polygamy group, a family who truly loves her. I'd like to welcome Jessica. Thank you. Thanks for coming, both of you. Thank We've you got lots of good stuff to talk about. <laughs> and as many of our viewers know, I also uh, was born and raised in the Kingston Polygamy Group. And as we go through our discussion tonight, you may hear different names that we use uh, as we refer to the group. One name might be the co-op because it was organized as a cooperative society. Another name might be the order. In fact, most insiders refer to it as the order because it was a united order patterned after what Joseph Smith and Brigham Young taught. Of course, that's only really religious communism. And then, of course, the Kingston clan, but mostly, mostly the media refers to it as the Kingston clan. But any of those designations refers to the, the group that we're talking about, the Kingston group. So, last interview, um, I want to visit a little bit before we go on to the new questions. Um, last time we talked to you, I asked you both how many siblings do you have? And one of you asked me, alive or dead? <laughs> and as I was thinking of that, I thought, we need to go into this a little more f f deeply. What did you mean by alive or dead? And do you have a lot of dead siblings? I think that was me. Okay. And um, it's because sometimes 
I, I don't know if it's because they're inbred or because they're not getting the proper prenatal care or what, but sometimes babies don't live. They're either stillborn, um, born and only live for a few hours, a few days. They have a few accidents, like um, one baby had drowned in the bathtub. Just mm -hmm. a lot of things, fell out of a high chair, got ran over by a car. There's so many kids, they mm -hmm. can't keep track of them. Yeah. So yeah. it's just... Um, so I think inbred has a lot to do with it and lack of prenatal care. And we're going to talk about inbreeding a little bit later on to the show, but that's a very good point. So how many, you, you told us how many living siblings you had, how many have passed on? They don't like to talk about, <clears throat> they don't like to talk about that as much. And so they don't really, like, nobody really knows. No, really know. Yeah, we like, don't. If, unless they're older than like the age of one, where yeah. we know older about it, that. but, or, yeah, <coughs> but I think... Paul had a wife who she was pregnant and she was super super pregnant and you knew that she was going to deliver soon and then it seemed like you saw her like a week later and you're like when's the baby due? She's not pregnant anymore and no one heard anything about the baby. So it's like what happened to this baby? And I think the baby didn't make it but I don't know if you And all the babies are born no at home accurate. so, so if the baby's the born part, at home nobody really knows what happens to the birth. They'll actually, um, if they come stillborn then they'll actually just bury them in the backyard. Yeah. Then they don't have to report it to the state. So nobody knows. So you don't even right. know how many siblings you've got that may have died yeah. before. That's sad. I know that they do have some more recently are having their babies in the hospital. Some are being more adamant about that. But Good. Good. Not, not our parents. <laughs> Good. You talked last time, uh, and I, I really am not sure if I should revisit this, but I thought I would anyway, uh, that you were repeatedly raped by a gang of younger boys while from the ages 4 and 5 to 14, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of people that asked me questions about that. And some of the questions were, what happened to them? Did, were, they, were they ever punished for what they did to you? Uh, if so, yeah, how, what was done? If not, why not? They were given a wife so that they would have somebody else to abuse. That was their punishment, to get a wife. Mm -hmm. I honestly am not exactly sure what happened. I mean, I was so young in the first part of all that to know um, what happened to them. I, and I just know that, I know that they do know something happened because I know that an adult did walk in on it. And I know that I felt like I was in trouble and I'm not exactly sure what happened to them. I haven't seen the boys since I've left the order. and. I know that as I got older, people who were involved with stuff like that when I got older, they did just, they were, were married off or some of them were already married. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. and there was a time where my mom drove up to the car and I was in the car with a man who was already married and she just had me get out of the car and she, she I guess saved me from the situation by taking me home. But at the same time, she was upset with me like it was my fault and this man was over the age of 40. So obviously, and I'm here 14 and so, I guess in their mind I was being the seductive one, but now being an adult I realize how, you know, how yeah. they play it. Like how you're, they do play it. It's always the your women fault. are the ones causing all the problems. They're the right. sexual creatures or whatever. And so, were either of you sexually molested by um, older men? Yeah, not just the younger man, but sexually <laughs> oh, yeah. molested by. So he's sexually molested. That was the you. one I was just referring to in the car. That, that the but man there, was over forty. But there was uh, an actual event where he raped you. Um, not fully to that extent, no. Okay. But yes, sexually molesting was okay. very much part of it. Mm -hmm. A few weeks ago, I received a call um, asking if we had helped a particular <clears throat> person 
young girl who had run away from the Kingston Polygamy Group, and we hadn't helped her. I was not aware of the situation, but later discovered that this girl is now in protective custody by authorities because of abuse by her father. The girl, <coughs> excuse me, is underage, and so obviously we can't uh, divulge any names. But, Nicole, you've got some information, a little bit of information about the alleged abuse of this girl. Yes, in fact, I, I received a call about the, the young girl probably a couple of weeks ago and, and was looking, and I decided to look for her and see what I could find out, and I checked with a couple of my resources and nobody I could find had her. And then I had one girl call me back and she said, well, here's where she is, and I can't really tell you how I know this, but she, it sounds like they took her into protective custody because her father broke a couple of her bones and they're afraid for her to go back. They broke her leg and her arm and, and her nose. Mm -hmm. Was this because she refused to get married, do you think? I was under that impression, but... She refused? Yeah. So there, there you are, folks. This happens every day in polygamy groups. <laughs> And, and, and the, uh, the odd thing about all of this is, is that polygamy groups continue onward, you know, sh strutting forward into, into mainstream society, trying to be validated, and yet they, uh, they protect these people who are abusing them. It, it's not, it, should be, it should be made public that this man is and has abused his daughter. Mm -hmm. Okay, we ended our last interview with a question I had asked you if you both had birth certificates. <laughs> and I think you both said yes, but we didn't get a chance to discuss it very much. So let's get into that just a little <laughs> bit. What, you both have a birth certificate. I didn't, by the way. Until 1995, I did not have a birth certificate. Obviously, I wasn't born in 95. But I wasn't legal until then because I didn't have one. So many people my age in my age group did not have birth certificates, but you did. Yes. Was your real father's name on the birth certificate? No. Nope. What was, what name was on yours? Michael Foster. Does he mine. exist? Um, it sounds like a popular name, so I think he exists. <laughs> I never met him. But though. not as your father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he exists somewhere, but he's probably in the phone book. But I've never met him, and he probably doesn't know I exist either. So. <laughs> and he probably, <laughs> probably doesn't know your mother exists. Yeah. Either, he probably right? doesn't know her either. <laughs> who's your Who's your father on your first birth certificate? Mine is James Allen, and apparently he was born in Montana, and he lives in Montana now. I think he's a coal miner. Yeah? And yeah. so all of these are actually just stories they make up about a, a, a mythical person to hide the fact that they are having polygamous children, right? Mm -hmm. But they are giving out birth certificates to the babies when they're born? Do they, are they doing that? Um, no. no. They wait till they're one. They wait until they're one just in case of a death or something where they, so they don't have to report it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes if a mom is very adamant about it, because some moms know that's why they're not getting a birth certificate, and so they're like, no, like absolutely we're getting a birth certificate, and they, I know moms that have threatened to sue for child support for yeah. the child. And yeah. They're like, no, I'm getting a birth certificate. And in those cases, extreme cases, very rare cases, then they will let them get a birth certificate before that. But they won't like do social security numbers or anything until the until kids they're are one born. year or old. Or even for like state benefits, like if they need them, um, I don't know. Not They don't really need insurance because they don't go to the doctor, but if they need like food stamps yeah. uh -huh. or cash assistance and stuff, they can use, get the children the birth certificate so that they can take the necessary steps mm -hmm. to get that to assistance. To get the help that they mm -hmm. need. That but it's hard because as the women, they probably really do need that assistance. The men don't. 
But the women, I mean, the men are withholding money, so mm -hmm. they probably yeah. really do need the state assistance. Yeah, the, they hold the purse strings, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it's against the law to falsify a legal document, I believe. Yeah, it, it, is. it is. And, and the birth certificate's a legal document. And, and just like... But if you're a numbered man, you don't have to follow the law. <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> Where's the AG's office? We need somebody to look into some of this stuff. Please do. When, when, yeah, please do. <laughs> when I was growing up, we were grilled about lying for the Lord and lying to protect the group. How were you taught? I mean, you may have been taught the same way as me, maybe differently than I was taught. How were you taught about lying to an outsider? And was it a terrible sin to tell the truth to the outsider? I remember one time, um, we were sitting in a family meeting, we had these family meetings about once a month, and my dad walked up to one of the young boys, he was about six years old, and says, said, what would you do if somebody came up to you and said, who's your dad? And he was like, and he knew that who his dad was at that time, and he said, well, my dad's name is Paul, and my dad smacked him across the head. He Ooh. said, that is not ever what you say. You say, talk to my mom, you say... I don't know who my dad is. You say something along those lines. Look on your birth certificate and yeah. find out who your dad is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, no. We, wow. were, we were grilled and. Grilled to lie. In family meeting in front of everybody. Your, your father can't even claim his own children. That's despicable. What about you? Do you remember anything particular about yeah, lying? Yeah, really similar. And also because we've had so many experiences being in state's custody, then it was also like, what are you going to do if a social worker knocks on your door? And I mean, I was really, really good at it. I don't know if you want to go into a story, but one time specifically, we were, my little siblings, I was watching the like 11 kids. Two of the younger ones were throwing mud at the neighbor. And so the neighbor ended up calling the cops thinking there's not a parent home. There wasn't a parent home. I, by this point, I was probably maybe 13, maybe 12. I knew that I was legally okay to be home with about four kids, no one under the age of like five to six, somewhere there. Mm -hmm. So the cops came, I said, my mom's not home, I am watching kids, um, but I can't let you until she comes home. And somebody else was watching us, they, they just went to this grocery store with the younger kids. I will, um, if you want to wait outside, I was like, I will um, call my mom and I'll call them and see who can get here first. So the cops thinking, okay, cool, this girl's like, you know, parents taught her good. Yeah. He's waiting outside. I ran inside and we like cleaned that house up. We were shoving things inside the stove, inside, mm -hmm. under the beds. We cleaned it up. It was such a mess. Then I snuck my two youngest siblings and a couple other siblings out the window in the backyard and they went and hid behind like the shed. Oh, while the, And I pretended that we had these four people and like my mom and my uncle were going along with it. They didn't know where I hid the kids. And I was 12 doing all of this. And so they really taught us how to lie, uh -huh. really taught us how to deal with those situations. And then they were so proud of me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did good. I finally did good. You I did finally good made by it. Being, you did good by being deceitful yeah. and making but sure they were They didn't always find the were truth. like, we had best meetings. They're like, who's your dad? And if you didn't answer, or you didn't have a good lie, or you couldn't be quick on your toes and be convincing, mm -hmm. then you would be smacked. Yeah. And it was just. You're just taught how to deal with social workers. Not, not a good way to raise a family, I'm telling you. And, and they, they say that polygamy is only for, two, uh, for consenting adults. Mm -hmm. How many tens of thousands of children are really involved in polygamy I groups? didn't consent to be in polygamy. That's I didn't right. want to be. If I was going to be born into something crazy, I think I would want to be a gypsy. <laughs> 
but not in polygamy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not polygamy. <laughs> I didn't consent to that. Okay, I, I understand that the Kingston group has what they call marriage preparation classes. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that's for the women, for the girls, females, yeah. I should oh, say. The boys have them too. Oh, they have them too. They oh, it'd too. be interesting to sneak in on one of their classes. <laughs> uh, well, so, so I take it that you had the classes, you went to them. How old were you when you were first admitted into the class or required to go? And what did they teach you? Do you remember those? Yeah, um, I think that I was about 10 or 11 when I went to the first one. And I went to the first class and my mom actually afterwards, she was upset like that my dad made me go and she walked me up to him and I remember her kind of being like, she's like, why is she in this class? And he's like, because she's at getting close to marriage age. And 10 blah, years blah, blah. old. Yeah, and so my mom's like, how old do you think she is? And he's like, how old are you? And I think I was 10 or, or nine, I was young. And she tells him and he's like, oh. He's like, well, like you look like, well, you can still go. But he didn't even know my age. He didn't. I was like younger than everyone else that was going. How could a man with over a hundred kids know each kid's age? It, it was, was a good part on my mom's side to like. That's good. It's, it's probably like one of the very few times where she stood up and was kind of like, "What are you doing to my 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 child?" Yeah, that's but, good. Yeah. You're supposed to start them at eleven or twelve, and I. Marriage I, preparation at eleven or twelve. Mm -hmm. What do they teach you in those classes? <laughs> they teach you to be the good wife. They, they teach you dinner has to be on the table by six o'clock. Your kids all have to be like very well groomed, very like clean. That's the only time they have to be clean, but they do have to be clean for when he comes home. And they teach you, it's been a long time since I've taken them, but. Do, do they teach you that you can't say no to him at any point? You absolutely. have to obey him explicitly no matter what? Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember one of the girls raising their hand and saying, well, what if you don't want to have sex? And she was a lot older than a lot of us, so I think she'd actually been in this situation. And they said, you are there to please your husband. That is your purpose on earth. That is how you were close to God. You are there to please your husband. You don't say no. Hmm. And you shouldn't want to say no because you want to have children. You want yeah, to bear his children. You want to, you want to <laughs> yeah. So. Subservient to the male and have babies, that's, that's the woman's place, right? One of the mm -hmm. things that Daniel said in one of ours is he's like, all right, so some of my boys are going to have to marry some of my girls. And some of my girls will marry some of my boys. And all of us kids just look around like, please don't be us. Who's <laughs> it going to be? And we were told, like, you, boys and girls can't play in the same room together. And we're like, why? We're like siblings. Like, what if you go up and marry each other? And it was just the weirdest thing to be constantly be saying and hearing those things. And now I have my young children, and I'm like, I couldn't even imagine, like, looking at my kids and being like, you guys might marry each other. Like, that is just so weird. And I don't know how they made it so natural, but. Yeah. I didn't, like, <laughs> when I was growing up, in fact, when I was 11 or 12 years old, then my half-sister came to me and she said, so you and I are gonna marry our half-brother. Like, she had a half-brother in mind, and. We're going to marry him. I'm going to be the fourth wife. You're going to be the fifth wife because your mom's the fifth wife. And so you get to take that number. And it, she thought it was the coolest thing for me. And I was sitting there like, well, like, I didn't like the first two wives already. He was already married twice, two or three times, actually. And I told her, I was like, I don't think I want to marry him. And she's like, well, that's, I mean, he's going to be the next leader. You have to marry him. Otherwise, you're not going to be, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to be anybody, huh? And I'm like... I'm 11 years old. Like, did it did did it bother you that you would? I mean, really, something deep inside of you repelled against marrying your own brother. 
Yeah. I mean, even even though you I, were, t I didn't it felt see, naturally it was normal. wrong to me. <laughs> it was but normal for me. For you, because that's all you knew. Yeah. That's we all were, you were only taught. allowed to like with my dad's family. We were only allowed to hang out with them. Like that was who we were going to marry. All my sisters knew they were going to marry their half brothers. Like <laughs> that was that was really big in my dad's family that's because my dad was a leader. Uh huh. And so, in fact, we were even taught not to marry some of Daniel's kids. <laughs> because they weren't good enough. They weren't Paul's Daniel's kids run away. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet he hates that. But and so it. Would, but you were repelled against it. That's interesting. Yeah, I found it disgusting. And I also. But the thing is that I didn't think it was disgusting to marry your uncle. I didn't think it was disgusting to marry your cousin. Like if mm -hmm. I was to marry someone in Paul's family, but I did in Daniel's family. So, I think Daniel's family was a lot closer than. Paul's family was like we only saw it. your dad had like outings and stuff all the time you guys were a closer family my dad we saw our half brothers just as much as we saw her brothers mm -hmm. like it was we weren't a family we weren't a tight unit in fact we I remember they used to do mom's dinners where they were trying to get the family together and it would turn into a cat fight every time Hmm. All the wives were together. They stopped doing mom's dinners. I thought everyone's family did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, while well, you were being raised uh, to accept all of these weird things, and, and polygamy is the weirdest of all, by the way, to share somebody's husband is weird. But uh, were you raised that you must live polygamy and stay in the group in order to go to heaven? Yes. In order to please yeah. God? I knew that no matter what, my husband was going to have more than one wife. I just did not know if I would be the first or what number I would be. But that just seemed like there was no other way to think about it. Like, that's mm -hmm. all I knew. Were you taught that God required it, or did you think it was just a lifestyle? Were you taught that God was a polygamist, all those things? Yeah. We were, were taught that if you didn't live it here, because I would ask that question, actually, well, why doesn't, why doesn't Brett have two wives? And they're like, he's going to live it on the other side because Anna it, cannot accept it while she's on this earth. And Anna was his first wife. And yeah, so, so you have to live it if you want to make it to the celestial kingdom. Would you say in, the, in, in that group that, that polygamy is a choice or is it a, a threat or a coercion? It's a coercion. It's presented like it's a choice, but it's, it's, a way of it's life. not a choice. It's a way of life. It's not like there isn't no, hmm, is my husband gonna have another wife? It's, hmm, this is the guy I'm gonna marry. And, he pretty much owns I guess me now. it's kind of like poverty. You know how they say poverty? It's like a community. It's a lifestyle. People can't get out of it. They're stuck in it. Even though it's like, go get a job, just leave it. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Believe me, it's all you know. You know how to live yeah. it good. Yeah. But if you go out in the real world, you're so lost and yeah. you're socially awkward and you don't know how to get what you need. And a guy comes up to you and like you don't know how to say no. You don't get a practice saying no ever. And you, so you have no boundaries. Yeah, set. you have no boundaries. You're just a rag doll. And yeah. it's just like, then you go back to polygamy because you're like out in the world, I'm so exposed, I'm a ragdoll. Mm -hmm. So you go back to polygamy because you know how to survive there, you know how to live there, and you know your boundaries. You know how to play their game and mm -hmm. win at their game, but not in the real world where you actually have to make decisions. I helped someone out of, of the Kingston group a while back and I asked her this question and she said that she didn't even know polygamy was against the law. She just thought it was something you did. We knew it was against the law. I can assure you did that because we were taught you, to say that we... Did it bother yeah. you that God required something that was against the law? Did that oh, no, bother No, they you? had an answer for that. What was the answer? Um, sometimes when the... Sometimes the laws of the land are not in accordance with the laws of God. But if that's Most the case... Most of the time the laws of yeah. the land are not in accordance so with the laws of God. So what we do is Everything we, they do we is still legal. live it. We just have to be secret about it. We are better than them. 
and so I looked at me like I was superior to the police officers, to the president of the United States. I'm a part of the, you know, the polygamous group. I'm superior to you. Like, don't I don't suppose do. they showed you the scripture that says that we're supposed to be subservient to the laws of the land, did they? They didn't show you those scriptures. No, no. <laughs> that God's not to command they, something that's illegal. They make the Bible available for us to read, but they are interpret the whole thing. At that point, why would I read it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the process of this ministry and of doing this show, I have received some horrific criticism from Mormons, mainline Mormons, because I refer to section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants as the polygamy doctrine, the polygamy revelation received by Joseph Smith that he says came from God. Growing up under the doctrine of Joseph Smith's polygamy and being taught section 132, was Smith's revelation given to practice plural marriage as far as you were taught? We don't really get taught that part of it. We, when we go to church, we're learning order history. We're not learning the Bible. We're not. You're not learning, learning section 132 of the Doctrine Covenants. Like, no, we're I remember learning that them. Paul says this, and this is what you do. We're learning the order history, and this is where we started, and this is the. You're not learning anything about Joseph Smith anymore. No, we mm. are. A little bit. Oh no. We were when I was younger. Really? No, you learn about that in like co-op. Uh, they don't not don't in learn their about it in church, church, but you learn about it in their other meetings. Yeah, I uh -huh. think that like I mean I identify LDS now, and so like a lot of people do get upset like when you compare or put LDS and polygamy together. But that's that's where it all came from. I'm mm -hmm. there right now, and I understand they they reject it now. But that's mm -hmm. you know that is the history and mm -hmm. stuff. So, but they talk about the orders history has a lot to do with some guy. He had a dream or a vision, very similar to Joseph Smith, went up to the mountains, you know, and so mm -hmm. he kind of has a And he story. left the LDS. Yeah, he left LDS, mm -hmm. and somebody big high up in the LDS said, if we had five guys like mm -hmm. you, we could still pa practice polygamy, and so this guy was like, okay, well, I'll get five guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, started I his never heard group. that one before. <laughs> and that's, I think, where the numbers come from. It number is, one, yeah. and then the number five, like all the way up came in and they have yeah. the numbered men now, like they're yeah. in line, they line up to be God's people or something. Yeah, my yeah. father had a number for, for sure. <laughs> uh, someone said that it was customary for a woman, a girl, to plan for two weddings. Definitely. A wedding if you were going to be a first wife and a wedding if you were going to be a plural wife. Did you? I always assumed I was going to be a second wife. I never thought <laughs> just I would a be. Given, huh? <laughs> I didn't think I got that choice. <laughs> I planned two weddings. I remember very distinctively being really young, probably even eight or nine, and just being really young and at a wedding and being behind this chair, just looking at the wedding, sitting there talking to another girl about the same age and just being like, if I'm the first wife and I get to have this, because you don't have a reception being the second or third, I think they're getting better about doing something yeah. small, but back then it was so secretive. It's immediate family, mm -hmm. parents, the leader, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. It would Not depend. even your siblings sometimes. Somet no, sometimes it was just the leader that was marrying mm -hmm. you, and then you two. In fact, a lot of times they would go off. And just so just, secretive just about it. It was very secretive when I was there as well. Yeah, very so secretive. I just planned two weddings and was just like, I even started buying wed like wedding stuff at once I started hitting about 14 because you heard the stories of this one one girl, one of Daniel's wives, she bought everything for her wedding, had her wedding dress, she had everything ready except the groom and <laughs> she just knew she was going to get married on this day and then all of a sudden Daniel proposes, they get married like three days later but she had everything ready so I was like oh I have to prepare, I have to prepare to be the wife, be the husband. I started buying wedding stuff thinking okay. I'm, this is my first, like, if I'm first wife, here's all my stuff. I'm the second wife, here's all my stuff. 
I started wedding dress shopping and things like that. So if you were a second wife, all this first wife stuff, wedding plans were it was, just gone. Yeah, it was too yeah. extravagant. It was too, like, there was no one coming to my wedding <laughs> if I was a second wife or third or fourth. How sad it is. How sad that is. I was lectured by my mother sometimes for hours at a time on, on polygamy, the joys of of polygamy and how I was supposed to love the idea of it, you know, and that was probably my biggest brainwashing uh, mm -hmm. techniques that they use. Others too, but that was probably the biggest, the one I hated the most. Um, do you remember specific preachings? Were you condemned to be a son of perdition if you didn't do it? Did they teach you those things still like they did when I was still in the group? I think my mom honestly hated polygamy and she had a really hard time. In fact, one time I read her notes that she needed to teach us to respect our dad and that we had to love our dad and everything. But she could never teach polygamy because I don't think she really? liked it. Yeah. Wow. She said, in fact, if I would ask her, she would say, you know, I love the ladies in our family and they have a lot of value to your dad, but she would just get this faraway look and I really think she hated it <sighs> with a passion. And you know how many women are probably just exactly like her? They just yeah. hate it, but they don't dare even admit it to themselves. Yeah. What about... Were you taught to be a son of perdition? Did your mother love being a polygamous wife? Do you know? Um, I was taught to be like that if I left, I'd be a son of perdition or things would happen and things like that. But um, I don't think my mom liked it either. I found some notes. <laughs> they're going to now, because they're watching this, they're going to be like, women, don't leave your notes around for your kids to find. Because <laughs> they're just like that. But I did find some letters of hers saying sorry to Daniel. And it seemed like a very deep sorrow. And then since I've left, I've come in contact with my uncle who his job at 12 years old was to live with my mom the first year of her marriage to make sure she was being good and to make sure that she was staying loyal to Daniel and stuff. A 12-year-old boy? Yeah, well, she was 15, was so he was only a few years younger than her. And he said that was the hardest, the hardest year of his life because the abuse he watched my mom go through. And he said that Daniel broke her down. He abused her, and then I was born. I'm the oldest of her children, and he said that after when I turned one he's like I couldn't do it anymore he was actually one of the few that was kicked out of the order because he started questioning Daniel and Paul saying why is this God's will why do God why is God wanting you know my sister to suffer like this and just to hear him talk about that I was like I'm so sorry for my mom but it gives me some hope that you know she used to be you know a spitfire she used to uh, like she used to be in there in her yeah, body and yeah. just fighting for her what she wanted and not anymore, though. Yeah, I mean, she she thinks she is, but she's they, she's not. They do break <laughs> She's it definitely settled. That's what it's all about: is become a Stepford wives and mm -hmm. and just empty inside and. Yeah, and I think they, they they try to teach you to love your husband. And I remember telling my mom that I hate Daniel, and she was like, she would tell me um, sometimes she has a hard time, but she just lets time pass, and then eventually, you know, it, everything's okay and stuff like that and try to tell me how she works through that kind of stuff so she was trying to give me advice mm -hmm. to survive there not to escape and not to just stand mm -hmm. up to it so. and you know it's really too bad because God really he he is the one who planned marriage and he planned he planned monogamy and and in polygamy all it does is let the women know the men, because it's man's command not God's for polygamy let the women know that they're not worthy of having their own husband that's basically all that they're doing. You're not worthy to have your own husband, but I'm worthy to have many, many wives. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly thought that I was placed on this earth to be a, you know, like a, I was just a sexual pleasure for men. Like mm -hmm. that was, 
I w had looked at myself like an object at point. Mm -hmm. like at one well, point they in my are life. an object, obviously, mm -hmm. and work machine. <laughs> How do they choose marriage partners? Do you get to have a say in it? Do they choose That's for you? How do you? How it's does that? different now since I've left. I hear a lot to do with my cases made things different. So should I say how I was before and then? You can say how it is now. Like before, from my perspective, it was kind of like they say you're choosing it. Um, you have to dream about it and have like <laughs> direction. Erection. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up and you're like, oh, I dreamed about so and so. And I was like so confused because I'm like, oh my gosh, I would just dream about whoever I saw that day. Because <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm going to marry everyone. <laughs> and so. They, it's like this puzzle that they're just like putting these stepping stones in front of you and then they're trying to figure out who you like, who you fit well with, or a numbered man can come and claim you and say you've been claimed. So it's just, if you're not claimed, then it, I mean, it's just so confusing. I just think it's so confusing because they pretend that it's your choice, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's, there's no way it's your choice. Well, did you, you say a numbered man it? came and claimed you and said that you, yeah. were, that you were married in the hereafter and so you and didn't I was need to worry about it now? I was thinking at the time that I was choosing this man and that's why it's so confusing because I had gone through that and I was thinking, okay, this is my number one. I'm choosing him. I want to marry him. I want my salvation. And then um, leaving now and looking back and being like, wow, I really did not want that. <laughs> I really, <laughs> you know, and it's just like looking at all the little things that they like, first they... They had this guy help my mom out. They had this guy, I started working for him. He started, you know, like definitely a grooming process. Mm -hmm. And I was probably 12 when he started the being closer process. in my That's life. That's a good word. And yeah. it's like, so yeah, it looked like it was my choice, mm -hmm. but he was the only one standing at the end of the road, you yeah. know? And it was what kind about? of an escape thing for him. Yeah, you escape your father. You escape your, yeah, he escapes your uh, yeah. home. <clears throat> what about you? How did you? When I was 16, my dad sat me down and he said, it's time for you to get married. So make a list of people that you think you want to marry. And I will come back from China in two weeks and we'll talk about it. <laughs> he came back from China and I said, I don't know, I'm 16. I, I want to go to school. I want to do other things. I don't want to get married at this time. And he said, well, a young man is going to come forward next week and you need to go talk to him and he's going to propose and then you need to pray about it. So I went on this date with this old guy that I was like, no. And I said, well, I prayed about it and he's not the right one. And he said, okay, another one, here's your, here's your other choice. And he so they parade the man in front of you and you get to... Well, no. And then I said... go forward to the dad, right? Yeah. And then after I talked to the other guy, I was like, I don't feel like he's right either. And he said, well, take your pick. And I'm like, that way. <laughs> so then, yeah, so that was when I ran away and was like, no, I'm not going to do this at all. Now they actually genetically test them because they've had so many things with Down syndrome, they've had so many problems with genetics. The so they'll actually, yeah. they have people going to school for genetic engineering yeah, and they I've will test them and say, okay, these people, like if you're gonna have these two people get married, they'll say, okay, test them. They don't, they don't ha both have this specific recessive gene, but right now all their genes are so recessive that there's no way to weed them out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that. that's my next actually my next question is the incest. Um, an article in the Salt Lake Tribune on April twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine, and we have a graphic for this. The headline reads or read read at that time when incest becomes a religious tenet, mm -hmm. and this was happened that in the middle the, the man in the middle there was uh, J O Kingston. He was the leader. He's the father of 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 the leader now, and a picture of all of his wives and then the boys and the his kids from the first wife there below. But this was uh, in the Tribune after 
the Daniel had had whipped um, his daughter with uh, what, 28 times or something like that with his belt. And so they did a huge investigation and that was part of the investigation was the incest came out. And it goes on, the, the article goes on to detail some of the incest practices and how it started and, and how widely it's practiced within the group. Were you taught that the Kingston's bloodline was pure and special and that's what justified and made incest pref preferward? Yes. Yeah, it's the pure... Pure or blood toe. of Christ. Clear back to Christ, yep. right? Clear back to Jesus. It actually comes back because Ortel used to, this is a story that I was given. So Ortel used to herd cattle and he used to breed cattle. And he said, well, if you mix two, if you mix cows that have good bloodlines, then, then you're going to have powerful people. And so he went on this tangent and was like, okay, so now we're going to mix our bloodlines because we have Jesus' bloodline. And so we're going to take that and we're going to make this bloodline completely pure. And they said, and my, when I would ask my mom, I said, well, why doesn't anybody else do that? And she's like, well, royalty does it. Like when you have a king and a queen, then they marry their half brothers all the time. And I said, yeah, and they the have time, retarded really? kids. <laughs> so, so that was their way to justify it. And, and so to, to tie this in back with the beginning of the show when we talked about some of your siblings who have died, this inbreeding, this incest is the reason for many of the, the deformities and the infant deaths as a result of that. What, how far into the inbreeding are they now? Third, fourth generation? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I just recently heard about one of Daniel's kids marrying another one of Daniel's kids and what they did for the wedding, they took a picture of the two kids, the husband and wife that were getting married and then a picture, and, and so one picture had the wife and Daniel and the kids and the other picture had the wife and Daniel and the kids and they overlapped those pictures. So now Daniel is on both ends of this picture, so like photoshopped it. And <laughs> here's a picture of like the kids getting married and here's Daniel on both sides. He does not have a twin brother, so yeah, right. right. That's just—I so, don't know. They're being creative. I don't know if they think it's humorous or what it is, but they find it. They find it funny. They—they're they, like Hitler. They find it funny. Like he was trying to make the perfect, you know, the yeah. perfect genes and get those going forward, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. But they don't see it that way. They're so. But anybody <laughs> who's going to school and studying geneticists, genet yeah. to be a geneticist, they are going to know there's no way they can do it successfully. That's yeah. why they're to the point where they're genetically testing them now. And, like, and I've even sat down with my dad. I said, you are an intelligent person. Everything you're doing is intelligent. It may be wrong. It may be disgusting. But you're intelligent. It's working for you why would you do this? And he couldn't honestly answer me. He, he really believes that he's protecting his bloodline. <laughs> and I said, you, you're really good with law, but you are so stupid when it comes to biology. And I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that is my favorite subject. And so it's like, I cannot believe that you're that stupid. Like, I just, yeah. Do they know, or did you ever know while you were in it, do you know if they know that the Bible prohibits a man marrying his sister his half-sister, his stepsister, <laughs> or... They don't care. Or the wife of a... Uh, the, the, a wife who... Uh, the sister's wives is a plural wife, which they, men do all the time in polygamy groups. They always oh, marry yeah. their wives' sisters. Mm -hmm. All of that's prohibited I never by heard God. anything about that while I was in the group. I know it now, but I know that they have a way of explaining everything. Their of way course. of probably explaining it away is, 
it was like Moses' law when he came down with the first Ten Commandments and then he had to crush it because people weren't ready for it. So they're like, oh, these are the laws the world's not ready for. Like, they'll yeah. explain it away. No, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> and when, when I started studying the Bible on my own, I found verses that proves that that's a lie. What they Yeah, do they tell the you to thing. read the Bible. So, like, you're like, no, I read it. It doesn't say that. But it's like... You're reading the Bible with all the preconceived notions and all the background that they've put in there. So you're reading what you, you're like, it's almost like you're validating what they've been telling you. You're not looking for something different. You're looking like to validate what they've well, been yeah, saying. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. That's very true. I have a quote, and this kind of ties in with what we've talked about already, from someone from the Kington Group a few years ago, and this is what they said. Quote, brothers and sisters are not allowed to be alone together. I heard this is even going for fathers and daughters. It conditions them to be able to marry a brother or sister if asked to do so. It also destroys bonds between family members, therefore giving more control to the leaders. More and more children are being born with severe birth defects from inbreeding. This is bad enough on its own, but it gets worse because the mothers are blamed for the birth defects. This forces them to be better members so that their next inbred baby may be born normal. Does this ring true? They are allowed to be alone. Brothers and sisters are allowed to be alone if the brother's raping the sister. Yeah, it I, I think it's frowned upon it when the parents are actually able to like notice that it's happening. They say don't do it. And they like, you know, like I said before, they said brothers and sisters can't be in a room alone together because what if you marry each other? Yeah. But <laughs> it does happen. I mean you have you have more kids than you have adults. So obviously the kids are kind of, you know, kind of running the show, and they should just take over. But <laughs> they, <laughs> I don't know the way yeah, they treat you. Be I don't think flies. that's a good idea. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I mean, specifically, I think Rachel Brown's been on the show before. I remember mm -hmm. very specific mm -hmm. that she had a child who didn't live very long. I think 13 hours or something like that. And I remember during her pregnancy, she was like shamed upon because she kept eating ramen noodles. And she was like, it's what I can keep down. And everybody knows that the ramen, like we're, we're all, we're taught, the ramen noodles cause her baby to have, it's like not an ear or not an eye or something severe to that extent. But I honestly was so afraid to eat ramen noodles when I was pregnant because it, of the stories from her. And even though I left and I had been to school and I knew that the ramen noodles didn't cause this problem, mm -hmm. they still ingrain that into your mind that mm -hmm. you are just like, just in case, I'm just going to stay It's awful from hard I still, to... I still can't eat ramen noodles. Yeah, it's, you like, still you think that's never what caused them. this baby to mm -hmm. look like this. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's probably because she was your half-sister. Mm -hmm. And not only was she your half-sister, your her parents were also related, and so are yours. Yeah, so. and it's all genetics. It's all genetics. And it's sad because they do blame the, the mother and that causes the mother to be even more subservient, uh, to be a b better member so that she will have, and she gets blamed mm -hmm. for something that is genetically wrong. How do they provide for your medical and dental needs in the group? They don't. You stay home when you have You something. get a toothbrush. And, and a they let you brush your teeth? And a baking yes. soda. They didn't let me <laughs> brush my teeth when I was growing up. Oh, and oh, you take, you, you, you chew on eggshells. Yeah. You don't get to use fluoride, so you get baking soda or like their homeopathic or whatever. And then you, you eat eggshells a lot. It's supposed oh, to, yeah, to help your that. <laughs> um, I do remember going to the dentist, I actually though, like actually. The My mom took me to the dentist a couple times, and I, she paid for it herself. Like, we didn't have insurance, so she had to go on the non-insurance plan. So, I don't know. I, maybe my mom, was, we just lugged out, and she cared enough. But <laughs> My mom, I remember she, because my grandpa was... He owns a lot of businesses, and he did trade with the dentist a long time ago. Oh. And so my mom worked it out so that he would do trade with my grandpa and 
they would help my dental work. That's the only way I got braces. It's Most people aren't allowed to get braces, wow. but yeah. my grandpa, my, sorry, my, my grandpa, he's not actually my blood grandpa, but he, I do have to say, he took great care of his family. And he took care of my mom because my dad wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And he, in fact, he, most of his sons don't have second wives. Most of his sons are, have one wife that they take care of very well. In fact, I think only one of his sons, one of his like 10 sons have, has a second wife. But they, I got lucky because he was, he was a big part of my mom's life. Mm -hmm. so. That's good that you had somebody that cared enough to step in and help. <laughs> then, and medical care, did you ever get sick, you needed a doctor, and, and did they take care of you? Um, I remember being on food poison. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because I was eating the food that was the leftover garbage that was for the pigs, but I got to it first because, you know. <laughs> That's how they operate. We were awesome that way. <laughs> and um, I ate it, and the next day I was just throwing up all day. I was so sick, I couldn't even sit up. And I remember Daniel saying, you can either be sick at work or you can be sick at home. Go to work. You know, like he was just like, get up and tough it out. And I literally could not even get out of the van. I was sleeping in the van, I slept on the floor. Like I couldn't even work. And then I was finally better the next day. So I swear it was food poisoning. They did nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a story about when I was really young, like my mom had just the two kids and me, my brother had whooping cough and he had to go to the hospital and they were just trying to do blessings and trying to save his life through blessings and prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think my grandpa intervened, obviously I was too young to remember, but I think my grandpa ended up taking him to the hospital and it saved his life. Wow. But it's things like that. Wow. When so I broke my, I broke my collarbone when I was eight years old and my mom was like, I was just crying and my mom was driving all over town trying to get me to my dad. She says, I think it's broken. I don't know what to do. And my dad said, no, she's fine. And so then she called my grandpa, who was taking care of her, who could do trade. And he said, well, let's, let's get her to his house. And he was friends with the doctor, so they took me to the doctor's house. And he's like, this is broken. Like, and so they, they put on a brace and everything. My dad came to see me, and he said, and he started yelling at my mom. He said, I told you to just take her home. I told you not to worry about this. And you had a broken collarbone. And I had a broken collarbone. I was in a brace for six weeks. And These my guys dad, ought to be thrown in jail and the key yeah. tossed. <laughs> as far as you were able to know uh, as children in your home, did your fathers treat one wife better than the other wives? And do the wives and children know who the favorite wife is? Yeah, I, I, think, I think we referred to it a little earlier in the show, but um, we could tell which ones were the favored wives. And usually we were, you know, That's why are they the favored <laughs> wives? Why, you know, what's going on? And it was the ones who put out more, the ones who were available for lunchtime quickies, you know, things like that. So, and I, they were much prettier. They were younger they were, and yeah. prettier. So, did so they, they changed their favorite wife is then when they. Yeah, it wasn't always the same, but the, definitely yeah. I knew who the hated wife was. She was the one who stood up for herself. She was the one, mm -hmm. you know, who who backtalked. The one who got upset when he forgot her birthday, you know. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so normal what, normal women things. <laughs> so what happens when a wife gets starts to develop a mind of her own? Uh, do and the older children maybe notice it? Do they tell on her? They or shame her. They, they shame her and they send her away to the middle of nowhere where. She's on a ranch by herself. Yeah, they kind of break her, her down again. Like, she yeah. got too strong, so they break her down. They put her on a ranch. They isolate her. They shame her. They cut off her resources, things like that. So so if she ever gets let back into the society of the group, she's humbled and mm -hmm. won't do that again. Do mm -hmm. any of them ever run away? 
I've heard of a few running away. I mean, Luann. What, yeah. Luan what do they do to them when, what do they? You, do they you don't go back if you run yeah. away. Don't go back. If you have kids and you run away, you're but not what going do, back. Do, how do they deal with it inside the group and inside the family? Your mother run away and, and do oh, they no, say things like? I don't know of a mom that's left her kids behind. Yeah, they, the moms haven't left their they kids. There's been a few who have wanted to leave and won't leave because they have to leave their kids behind. Yeah, they I, won't I leave. I know that. Yeah, once the kids get married, they won't leave. Your kids, are all you, your kids are all you have there. There's no way that you I remember my kids. mom saying specifically that she thought that nobody loved her. And so she was so excited to get married because finally somebody would love her. And she got married and she still felt like no one loved her. And so then she was pregnant and she was like, I was so excited to have kids because then somebody would finally love me. Mm -hmm. I've and heard that many times. I think times. that that's the, what the kids are to these women. Like that's why they are having 12, 15 kids. It's the only people in the world that they know that love them. They need them and love Until them Until they and turn, you know, 13. And yeah. Then and they then go through a I don't love you stage. Right. Or Everyone's if you're a boy, then you get to spy on them and, and then yeah. report back. Um, what about supervision? We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, is there proper supervision of the children, especially with these huge families? No, that's Especially how they get run the over mother, by cars. When the mother has to, <laughs> she has to go out. She's gone from them all day, and they have the oldest child tend them. I'm not saying that like big families aren't adequate and they can't like you know be successful but I think that there's some sacrifice you make to have a big family especially when you still have a big family of like eight to ten with two parents in the home you're still sacrificing the attention and the one-on-one -on -one time and the individual time you get to spend with each kid to individually know them and you're also sacrificing like you know you go to you go out to eat you can't you can't go out to eat and let everyone get a ten dollar meal because then you're over like a hundred dollars for one meal you just can't live like that so mm -hmm. it's I mean, there are some doing it outside of polygamy. I don't want to like say that those people can't do it. They're doing it and it's all right and they're sacrificing for but that benefit. But they don't benefit. have a lot but of other polygamy, wives to deal yeah. with. They've only got their one family. A lot of people think that in polygamy it's kind of like that show Sister Wives that you've got the one wife that watches the kids and the one wife that does the dishes and the one wife that does this. That's not how it is. Like maybe on Sister Wives, but in our home it was my mom, us kids, mm -hmm. and we took responsibility. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. we would be washing the dishes. We were the one making the meals and mm -hmm. bathing the kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting the baby in the middle of the night yeah. for my mom. And the, mm -hmm. it, the wives are so busy fighting for the attention and acting like high school girls <laughs> that they're not able to take care of their kids. They want their kids because they want... Your kids are going to love you unconditionally. I mean, you're the one that they see every day. But that's not... That's not in reality no. the way it is. They, and the moms, I mean, they love their kids. If, you, if they think about it, yes, I love my children. They're not there for their children. They're chasing their peace husband that... <laughs> yeah. I got what... I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I know. It just, it like, my mom, me. she worked early, early in the morning, and she would come home after dinner. And so even if she wanted to, she couldn't. And so we were at the babysitter, and the babysitter had her own set of ten, and then my mom's got her own set of ten, so this poor wow. babysitter. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and when That's why things like sexual abuse happen in these homes. And because there's no supervision. There's, there's, yeah, there's 20 kids and one mom, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in the home. So. Right, right. Um, would you, do you believe that a good God who proclaims that he is love and that he loves us would require polygamy for salvation? Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did you ever wonder that when you were? I wondered that when I was yeah. growing up, and of course I, I didn't know who the real God was. But I just thought God was kind of a bastard. Yeah, so did I, I. I did. I did think he was a horrible person. You identify God to be the way you see your father. Mm -hmm. So yeah. since then, I mean, I've been adopted by a new dad, and he's he's 
He's helped me find a new way to view God. And right. I just don't see him being that way. I see he him doesn't. being loving and wanting us to be he, happy. He proclaims himself, he's, he's in the Bible, as being a loving God with, with long-suffering patience. He pay, has lots of patience with us, and he never has ever um, advocated polygamy. Yeah. Um, what are the reasons that people won't leave a polygamy group, even though they may want to or maybe might have a chance? Your whole life. Brainwashing. You lose your you whole life. Yeah. It's your identity. You have to find a new identity. At least That's you hard. feel like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just, you don't see your family again. You're shamed. You know, they, they teach you that you will. It's hard to get past the, I'm going to hell and mm -hmm. accepting that. Mm -hmm. And you it's think it's going to get better. You think it's got to get better. It's just a long You're road. Like, this I mean, is the last beating I will take. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> Well, I was so tired yeah. of living every day in fear. I was so tired of it. My dad would it's a game. He, would, he would beat up on me frequently and sometimes for unknown reasons and and I was just afraid all all the time and I was so tired of living in fear. Yeah, I, I, I you that literally was the same way with just God. I thought give God was the same way. To leave. Yeah. Most people don't leave until they have no other choice in order for them to survive either because they don't want to kill themselves or be killed. That's mm -hmm. when most people leave. Is mm -hmm. when they're gonna put a bullet in their head. Yeah. <laughs> and they think, well, it can't be worse than that, right? So. Um, we're getting towards uh, the last few minutes of the show. If there was some odd reason, quickly, if you wanted to go back for some reason, what would you have to do to go back? Would they take you back? I would have to leave my husband mm -hmm. and say, and one of my kids is a lot darker than the other, so I'd probably have to leave my darker kid because they wouldn't take, they're very prejudiced, yeah. My younger one's really white, so I think they would let that fly. Do you think they'd take you back? <laughs> I think they would, yeah. What about you? I don't know. I think they would take you back. They probably would. They pretend they will, but, I mean, under a lot of circumstances. My yeah. brother says it's really hard to come back, but I would never want to go back, so. Uh, th that's why I said if. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, I thought about what I would do if, like, I went back, or I've even dreamed about it, like, in... It's a nightmare, huh? <laughs> yeah, I dream that I'm at their school and I'm who I am now and they're trying to give me these brainwashing things and stuff and I'm just like, um, like, no, that's not true. No, yeah. no. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate your sharing so candidly with us and it's going to help a lot of people, believe me. <laughs> my, <Okay>. closing, <laughs> my closing comments, I would like to talk about a recent purchase I made at the post office, a roll of postage stamps. And when I opened up the roll to begin using them, you can imagine my surprise when I saw that these stamps are celebrating four protections that our country provides for its citizens. And my mind immediately went to members of polygamy groups and realized how how sad it is that they are exempt from these four protections and they are freedom, liberty, equality, and justice. And those born in Mormon fundamentalist polygamy groups cannot expect to enjoy their rights for freedom, liberty, equality, or justice. We didn't ask to be born to a polygamous family and we didn't grow up and then join a polygamy group of our own free will. It wasn't our choice. And if you're a female born in a polygamy group, there is no freedom. 
Liberty is non-existence. Equality is an unknown experience. And so is justice. It's sad. It's not only sad, it's outrageous. It's not only outrageous, it is scandalous that the United States government and the various individual state and local governments do not protect this segment of citizens. They know there's abuse in polygamy groups. They know there's fraud and incest and trafficking and child rape and child labor and welfare fraud and nothing is done about it. Absolutely nothing. These post postage stamps indeed do declare some great things about our country, but they're not extended to those unfortunate enough to having been born in a polygamy group. Now we do thank God that Jesus sets us free. He sets us free from oppression and religious law that leads people to hell instead of to heaven. And we pray that, that we the people of the United States will garner enough integrity to insist upon equal protection of all of its citizens and stop ignoring polygamy, its abuses, are inherent, especially against women and children. And if we remain silent, it'll get worse, not better. So step up, say something, speak out, insist that our government protect all of its citizens equally, including polygamists. And those who want to legalize polygamy and make it a part of our cultural choices, you need to go and study other countries where polygamy is legal and note the demeaning treatment of the women there. In India, a man who's old enough to be the great-grandfather of a child in per puberty can legally marry her. A man can take a plural wife and not tell his wife that he's got other wives and he can remove any of his wives anytime he pleases and the law is always on his side, never on the woman's side and she has no recourse. Those who want to legalize polygamy need to check these things out thoroughly and you need to know too that God is for monogamy. He has never been an advocate of polygamy truly. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Mm -hmm.